Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley and uh, Jim Dwyer may be joining us shortly. I just got back from up north, so I missed my phone messages. In any event, uh, kind of interesting uh, stuff over the weekend, obviously the... Uh, Sort of the big uh, national story all week was this uh, situation in uh, Minneapolis with the collapse of the bridge. I just want to say it's remarkable that <laughs> more people uh, didn't uh, die, and I think that's a credit to the uh, rapid response of the Minnesota uh, first responders, so to speak. And uh, it's interesting that, of course, a lot of stuff now is emerging about... Uh, infrastructure uh, uh, issues and it's interesting that the governor of Minnesota Tim Pawlenty had vetoed recent uh, tax increases that were passed by the Democrats uh, Pawlenty's a Republican to increase the state gas tax in Minnesota to deal with these issues it's also of course emerging that uh, there were tons of uh, repaving construction material on the bridge and this certainly probably played a role uh it's uh emerging as well that perhaps uh unusually high temperatures the past several weeks in that area of the country played a role and then this is one of the strange uh <laughs> facts that, that emerge from uh, what's going on in terms of the investigators quoting from matthew wald and uh, pam uh, bollock uh, in today's new york times they write, so far investigators say they have ruled out nothing and will consider everything from expansion and contraction of the bridge and the extreme weather conditions of Minneapolis to the possible corrosive role of bird droppings. I thought, bird droppings? What? The only uh, corrosive role of any sort of droppings may be the uh, baloney and BS of the Bush administration. I don't know if they've been uh, having powwows on IW35 West, but uh, bird droppings, that's a new one by me. I've also heard, by the way, that uh, salt, uh, which of course is used in uh, colder climes uh, like Michigan and Minnesota uh, to deal with the winter uh, temperatures uh, could have been uh, a contributing factor to the uh, corrosive uh, impact on metal. But obviously the metal is, uh, is what failed because it's amazing that the, the center of that collapse, you know, you have this concrete that's just pretty much in mint condition. Needless to say, uh, they note that it will probably be a year before we really know the, the full story. But uh, getting back to the issue of infrastructure and uh, vetoes by Republicans uh, in connection with, quote, rising uh, gas taxes for such things, it's very important to remember that interstate freeways, and this uh, was an interstate freeway, is sort of a murky um, collaboration between the state and federal authorities regarding uh, <laughs> contracting. Essentially, my understanding after uh, listening to some of the analysis of it is that states, the federal government has, um, obviously they can appropriate 
money uh, to the states to fix uh, crumbling infrastructure. But at the end of the day, it's the states that own the infrastructure, the federal highway system, the interstate system that was built back in the uh, 50s and early 60s, that it's ultimately up to the states uh, to handle this, uh, these issues. And I think you're going to see, um, particularly in northern states, probably some real analysis about what bridges need to be fixed and, frankly, what freeways need to be fixed. And um, whenever you hear about Amtrak uh, issues regarding Congress, you hear all these hoots and hollers about, you know, we can't subsidize Amtrak to the tune of a billion dollars a year. It's a, it's a waste of money and blah, blah, blah. But when you look at the subsidies that roads and freeways uh, provide to the public over the years, it's, it's staggering. I think I read somewhere a couple of years ago in connection with infrastructure issues that... Uh, you know, this is roughly about a $200 billion subsidy every year uh, that uh, drivers get. So uh, we're going to have to tackle these infrastructure issues head on. And it cannot be reassuring when uh, the president of the United States shows up and vows that we'll rebuild. Because uh, we've seen the results down there in uh, New Orleans. And it costs money. And uh, there's this tension, this constant tension between tax increases and, uh, you know, the cost of civilization, to paraphrase the old uh, uh, Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes. Uh, America's been in a kind of uh, denial for too many decades now about what things cost. And uh, over the weekend, just this past week, uh, Congress very hastily approved a new um, uh, Pentagon bill, and I saw the figure for it. It was about $460 billion, and uh, needless to say, um, and it was part, uh, part of the uh, new appropriations bill that starts in October uh, 1st of uh, this upcoming year. This was approved in the House 395 to 13. <laughs> and it provides for $459.6 billion to the Pentagon. Uh, the House version includes money for items like new ships, more soldiers, and a 3.5% pay increase for the military, half a percentage more than what the Pentagon sought. It does not include an extra $147 billion in Iraq war funds that the Bush uh, administration has requested. So you always need to know where the money is going. Today, of course, we uh, heard another story about uh, missing rifles in Iraq. 30% of uh, these rifles are, quote, unaccounted for and have ended up in the hands of insurgents. I think the number they gave was 190,000 AK-47s. Um, and this reminds me of the uh, 1980s uh, under a good old Ronald Reagan when at the end of the decade, the Pentagon could not account for $1.1 trillion of money spent. So when we start asking hard questions about 
where we're spending money and what we're spending money on. That's what the debate needs to be to be about. We need to get real numbers. We need to understand these numbers, and we need to understand the difference between $600 billion for the war in Iraq and our um, incredibly burgeoning military-industrial complex that still has troops in uh, hundreds of countries around the world. Uh, the United States simply cannot afford uh, this continued waste of money on these kinds of uh, uh, pork barrel projects. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fascinating uh, to, to learn where people are making money. Uh, for instance, an, an article that I dug up from the 23rd of February, 19, uh, 2004, by William Hartung, Tung, a uh, senior uh, research fellow at the World Policy Institute, uh, has written, a, at the time, wrote a book, How Much Are You Making on the War Daddy? <laughs> and this goes into the details of uh, where the, quote, war on terror money is going. And this is remarkable stuff. Um, we, we hear um, just a week ago uh, a, a United Nations report about how the fact that a third of all the civilians in Iraq are living in, quote, unlivable conditions where they don't have uh, water and sewer. It's been reported, by the way, that water availability in Iraq over the recent weeks um, is unavailable. And we're talking temperatures. I mean, you think it's hot today in Ann Arbor, uh, close to 90 with the humidity. I mean, we're talking temperatures up in 115 degrees, 25 degrees farther. And, of course, we have John McCain in the recent Republican debate. We'll give him a brain damage award right now. Quote, they're making progress, and we are winning on the ground, unquote. We must win, and we will not set a date for surrender, as the Democrats want us to do. Well, there isn't any surrender involved in uh, getting out of Iraq. There's just an acknowledgement that uh, the military has done its job. And uh, political, uh, you know, at this point, it, we need political answers. And the, the American military getting another $147 billion for next fiscal year isn't going to solve the problems in Iraq. Well, getting back to William Hartung real briefly. And he's talking, by the way about fiscal year 2002, several years ago. He writes, in fiscal year 2002, the big three received a total of more than $42 billion in Pentagon contracts. And by the big three, he's referring to Lockheed Martin, got $17 billion. Boeing, $16.6 billion. And Northrop Grumman, $8.7 billion. This is an increase of more than one-third from 2002. Well, we've heard the usual hot air recently. Mr. Bush has been out there talking like that tough physical conservative he is and, uh, you know, talking about how the fact that the Democrats just recently, for instance, passed, uh, and I don't know the numbers on this, but they passed a, uh, a sort of a Medicare-connected child uh, insurance program uh, that's going to cost some money. And, of course, uh, Mr. Bush has threatened a veto. What he doesn't seem to want to veto or doesn't even want to address are where this money is going. 
And by the way, there's nuclear, a nuclear buildup involved in some of this money. Uh, Harting writes, the Bush administration's nuclear buildup, large parts of which are funded out of the Energy Department budget, not the Pentagon, is particularly good news for Lockheed Martin. The company has a $2 billion a year contract to run Sandia National Laboratory, a nuclear weapons design and engineering facility in Albuquerque. That's uh, Bugs Bunny's favorite city, by the way. Um, so all the hot air about Iran's nuclear program um, is, uh, well, it's hypocrisy at the end of the day. And this is one of the reasons why America's credibility globally is uh, waning. And uh, incidentally, um, further in the article, he points out that in the name of fighting the war on terror, GWOT, the global war on terrorism, the $20 billion plus total that Lockheed Martin receives annually is more than is spent in an average year on the largest federal welfare program, temporary assistance for needy families. That gives you a perspective of where's the you know what's the money in comparison to what 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 else we could be spending it on, and it gives you an idea. This is just one defense contractor receiving more money uh, than the entire federal program for welfare. So we'll hear all these endless poli you know, countless politicians talk about how expensive welfare is. Don't hear them to talk too much about the uh, cost of the global war on terror. Um, and uh, when you start seeing military budgets that approach half a trillion dollars, and actually they exceed it uh, in this upcoming year when you throw in the Iraq war costs that are conveniently put, quote, off budget, I'm not too sure if there are uh, hedge funds that are actually running uh, our uh, Department of Treasury these days, uh, because, of course, we've heard a lot about the hedge funds. There have been some very good articles in recent uh, days as the stock market has rapidly declined over the last couple of weeks about this growing hedge fund problem. Um, and, you know, where the money is and what's going on. Um, foreclosures, of course, are, are increasing. And as all these financial experts point out, we quote, and I'm just paraphrasing here, we have a lot of paper out there, but we don't know what the totals are, and we don't know um, how much bad debt there really is. And of course, an analysis uh, of uh, the, you know, the housing loans, the loans come due by Floyd Morris, uh, Norris in yesterday's uh, New York Times, has an excellent, interesting chart about the complicated, almost labyrinthian um, confusion about where, who's got the money and who has the debt. There's been this uh, creative financing that's recently occurred on Wall Street in recent years to provide these so-called um, subprime loans to the public uh, in which a lot of uh, credit-worthy people really shouldn't have been able to buy houses and are given these very complicated 
uh, mortgages that they have to deal with. They don't understand um, the consequences of where they're signing on the dotted line. For instance, um, they talk about Miss Brimage uh, in an article, a former forklift truck driver at an Owens Brockway glass container plant in Godfrey, Illinois, that closed last fall. A borrower in good standing since 1998, she said a local broker persuaded her to combine her debts into a fixed-rate loan of $65,000 in 2003. But at the closing, she was presented with an adjustable mortgage from an agent mortgage company carrying a low teaser rate for two years. When she objected, the broker assured her that rates would fall and she could get a better fixed-rate loan later. She said she believed them. Of course, needless to say, she lost her job. And it notes that she had to start liquidating her 401k to keep up to date. Obviously, that comes with penalties. Um, and these are this is just one example of, of how people uh, get lured into um, complicated financial arrangements that they don't understand. Uh, and, of course, they're misled by uh, these basically fly-by-night operators. And it's very confusing to the public uh, and even the financial regulators about who owns what, who owns what mortgages, <laughs> um, because the, a lot of these uh, subprime mortgages have been bundled into um, securities that are then um, sold on the open market. And we're talking about big Wall Street banks here that, that, that have a lot of bad debt, and it's unknown how much this is. Wall Street, you got to watch these guys. Um, you, we all know the joke about used car salesmen, but this is essentially what's going on. Um, it's important to remember that back in the 1970s, for instance, major American banks had loaned out hundreds of billions of dollars to third world countries uh, to finance all sorts of, uh, at the time, you know, what were characterized as... Uh, infrastructure projects and stuff to deal with, uh, say, the Green Revolution and bridges and whatnot, dams, to many uh, third world countries that were unable to pay the loans. American banks in the late 70s were effectively bankrupt. Uh, the way they corrected their problem, very interestingly, by the way, was they expanded credit to the American consumers so that now American consumers have something like two point eight trillion dollars of revolving credit card debt and without uh, hearing a lecture from your grandmother this evening uh, there are many consumers out there that don't understand their credit card obligations under these so-called APR financial rates uh, just a, a real easy concept if you go buy a pair of shoes out at uh, the mall and you pay uh, $100 for some nice shoes and put it on your credit card and you're paying 20% and you don't pay that debt off, you are effectively paying $120 for those shoes. And you need to understand that. And of course, the financial operators on Wall Street um, realize that most, uh, you know, the economic IQ of the average American is very poor. It's not a subject, by the way, that they teach in high school. I don't know why. There should be mandatory 
uh, consumer economic teaching so that youngsters understand what mortgages are, what credit cards are all about, what is debt, how much does it cost. And when you begin looking at the accumulated debt of the United States, Chavez made some comment over the weekend. I didn't bring that in because Sean Penn apparently was being uh, feasted and, and honored uh, in uh, Venezuela, but he made some comment about how America was going to collapse in a mountain of debt. And there's an element of truth to it. Um, when you begin looking at the fact that there's, what's the number here? I just, I just saw it. Something like uh, $5 trillion of these uh, questionable, and this is the rough number that they're giving, these questionable mortgages uh, on the books. There's $8 trillion of um, uh, federal debt that's been accumulated over the years while America was supposedly winning the Cold War. $8 trillion, by the way, is roughly what we spent during the Cold War on nuclear armaments. Strategically completely useless uh, instruments. They're certainly weapons of mass destruction, and the United States certainly has the capability of destroying the world with these weapons. But what use are they in, uh, in, uh, in Iraq or any of the uh, other multitude of wars that we've fought? Totally useless. Uh, here's the idea. The idea of pooling loans and selling them to investors dates back to the 1970s, but the practice has exploded in recent years. At the end of last year, $6.5 trillion of securitized mortgage debt was outstanding. More than 60% of the mortgages made in the United States in 2006 went to securitization trusts, some $450 billion dollars of subprime mortgages, those made to borrowers with weak credit went into securitization in the last year. Now, interestingly, I read, for instance, uh, in 2005 that Americans took out about $850 billion of uh, additional debt on their houses. Why are American consumers uh, taking out more um, debt on their houses? Well, Take, for instance, the recent budget uh, cuts here in the state of Michigan that have impacted uh, college students that are about to enter or continue their education at the state schools. We've seen the University of Michigan unilaterally increase tuition, 8%, something like that. Wayne State went up something like 16%. So these are massive increases that ordinary middle-class families are all of a sudden being dealt with the fact that next month, you know, you're going to be paying significantly more to send your youngster to college, assuming that you're paying for your youngster to go to college. That's why people take out these, uh, these loans often. And, of course, some of it, alas, goes into frivolous consumption. Uh, and this is, what the, uh, this is how these Wall Street uh, shenanigans continue to operate here in America. And uh, there's no oversight. There's no... Uh, anybody really controlling the situation, these hedge funds uh, that are some of them that, that are having problems that are uh, connected to some big brokers on Wall Street, they're not regulated. <laughs> and then at the end of the day, you read in bold, in, in, a, in a chart that, they've, uh, that they have that I've been qu uh, quoting from this article about this, uh, this uh, debt, 
potential problem may have a conflict of interest between what is best for borrowers and investors. Because uh, as this article details, uh, ordinary consumers don't know where to go to <laughs> figure out who owns the mortgage because the paper is tossed around from company to company in a multitude of, uh, shall we say, fly-by-night operations. And they focus on, a, uh, on this Miss Brimage um, that I was talking about earlier. It says uh, uh, Clarissa B. Uh, Gaff, a lawyer for Miss Brimage at the Land of Lincoln Legal Assistance Foundation, hopes to cut her client's loan and reduce her interest payments. The monthly payments have risen from 691 from $415 a month as the rate has jumped to 11.25% from the original 6.3%. Okay, so these fly-by-night Wall Street uh, and private companies, and some of them are Wall Street brokers, are doing these things because they're, you have these foreclosures. You have people, you know, not paying up. That's why they charge 20% roughly on credit cards. So you have a lot of people who aren't paying off their debts. They're making the minimum payment. And I think I read somewhere if you keep paying uh, 2 or two to 4% a month, uh, you, it'll take you 30 years to pay off your, your credit cards. <laughs> it's a long time. Well, these, uh, these uh, companies are interested in the issue of li liability. The lawyer is quoted as saying, we have run into this in any number of cases, Ms. Graff said. The bank that holds the note as the trustee claims to have no information relating to the servicer or the loan originator in spite of the fact that documents show all the parties have been working together for ages. It insulates them from liability. Um, you know, you just got to realize that there are a lot of people out there with conflicts of interest in this, uh, in this very complicated, um, mortgage housing bust. And of course the problem is, is that most markets have either gone stagnant or are in decline. Uh, here in Ann Arbor, one of the most uh, well-to-do per capita places in the United States of America, for instance. We've had the recent closing of Pfizer, uh, the Pfizer Labs. They were the largest private employer in Ann Arbor. 2,000 people lost their jobs. Now, many of them are well-qualified to find work in, uh, in uh, professional uh, services related to pharmaceuticals or lab research or whatever, but many of these people have to move. they got to go where the jobs are. So that's why the uh, Ann Arbor housing market, for instance, right now has so many houses for sale. It's scary stuff. I mean, when a city like Ann Arbor, one of the wealthiest per capita places in the United States of America, has these problems, you can just imagine what's going on in other places, particularly when you see, for instance, the new... Uh, Employment data that probably contributed to the uh, massive decline of the stock market on Friday. Now, that loss was picked up today, but don't be surprised if over the next several weeks you see continuing corrections um, on Wall Street regarding stock prices. As I reported last week, $550 billion of paper money in the last couple of weeks is wiped off the books. Doesn't mean much. But $500 billion is a lot of money. Hmm. That's roughly what we're spending 
Well, not even. That's what we're spending uh, on the Pentagon per annum uh, with the war in Iraq. It's actually over $600 billion. But you saw from the report that uh, the Labor Department uh, reported, quoting from uh, uh, Saturday's uh, Jeremy Peters analysis of the employment data, that um, in July, uh, 92,000 jobs were created down from the 126,000 in June. Uh, this was the slowest pace of job creation since February when employers hired 90,000. By the way, the American economy needs to create about 150,000 jobs every month just to stay even. Um, they go into some details about, about wages, then notes that job creation this year has averaged 136,000 a month compared to 188,000 last year. Governments drop more workers than any other sector as state and local entities cut back on education. In all, 28,000 government jobs were lost last month. Construction jobs and residential, uh, commercial, etc., cetera, uh, eliminated 12,000 jobs. Retailers cut 1,200 jobs. Um, it then notes that banking and insurance businesses added more than 20,000 workers. Fascinating. <laughs> what are these workers doing? Probably figuring out ways to make mortgages more complicated for consumers. Um, health care and social assistance grew by 44,000. And bars and restaurants went up by 22,000. Well, that's the good news. What's the bad news? Well, there's lots of it. A um, couple of interesting things from the new Harper's Index, because I know we're uh, running out of time here. It says the estimated uh, amount of oil in barrels used to make bottled water containers sold in the United States last year. 16 million. Ratio of the amount of water used to make the containers to the amount of bottled water contained in the, container, in the containers. Two to one. Average number of liters of bottled water delivered to U.S. troops in Iraq per day, 1.4 million. <laughs> flying a lot of bottled water uh, over to the Middle East. Well, we're completely out of time. I'll just close with this quick one. Federal percentage of inspectors appointed by Bush and Clinton who had prior audit experience, 66 or 36 to 66 percentage who held some political position prior to their appointment, 45 to 22. So roughly twice as many Political appointees, half as many audit-experienced employees. Interesting stuff. We're out of time. Thanks to Yelchin for, for engineering this evening with an assistance, an assist from Alex Sergey. Do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling coming up next right here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor.
you go see the Warriors on Tuesday, August 14th at Live at P 